it's Matt, your friendly neighborhood student pastor, and welcome to Wednesday Night Whenever, the podcast that brings you inside our student ministry here at uh, Watson Baptist Church located in Watson, Louisiana. Thank you for joining us again. Hey, we're we're back in our study on uh, Philippians this week. We're in Philippians chapter 1. We're getting toward the end. We're almost done with chapter 1 of Philippians, but, um, you know, we so far we've seen Paul, you know, his, his challenge to the church. You know, um, we kind of looked at it last, you know, last time about what it means to be citizens of heaven. And in lieu of being citizens of heaven, we're to do something. And Paul says we're to live worthy of the gospel. And so that, and you know, so that is what we look at this week. You know, what does it actually mean to live worthy of the gospel? And so um, let's go ahead and rewind it back to Wednesday night. Thank you all. So yeah, welcome. Uh, welcome to Wednesday Night Refreshed. Um, once again, I'm so glad y'all are here. I'm so glad y'all braved the wet and the cold and that Emily, you got off a little early so you could be here. That's always great. Um, well, we are back on the road in our study of Philippians, um, Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. And I know it's been a while, you know, it's been a while since we've been here. You know, we, we, we took kind of a a little detour there for a few weeks. Uh, actually, for a few weeks, it's been like a month. I went back and looked. You know, it's been like a month, but we're back. We're back at it. I'm pumped. Um, you know, we left off with, with Paul writing to the Philippians, explaining his life philosophy to them. Um, you know, that is for him to live as Christ and to die is gain. Right? Remember, you know, that's Paul saying that. You know, he knows he knows that his time on this earth is is finite. Um, and, and his his purpose for being alive on this earth is to share the good news uh, of Christ crucified to, to basically anybody who will listen, and frankly to anybody who won't listen. Um, you know, even those that that he's chained to right now during writing this. You know, uh, you know they, they are listening to him, and they're not just listening; they're soaking it in, and it's changing lives. Um, you know, and, and the thing is, you know, so he knows that his purpose on this earth is to share the gospel. And also, and and the thing is, that's, he knows that's a win, but it's also a win because if, if he does go on to depart this world, then, then, you know, he gets to be with Christ, right? You know, it's Paul's win-win scenario In, in life. He gets to share the hope of Christ and in death, he gets to be with him, you know? It's you like like Paul. Paul got it. Okay, he got it. He was he was all big picture. Tonight, do you get it? Do you get it? Because and I know you know in the midst of of living life with with all of the distractions that are thrown at us daily and the highs and lows that this life has, you know it's sometimes hard to to just grasp you know, or, or keep that at the forefront of our minds that, that there is more to this life than what is right in front of us. You know, especially, especially, you know, at the age, you know, all of you kind of find yourselves in, you know, where your brains are still developing. I don't know if you knew that. Your brains are still developing. You know, let's get meta for just a few minutes. Uh, you know, the human brain really doesn't finish maturing until around like your mid-20s. And I can kind of, you know, I don't know, Brandy, do you think we're, our brains are fully mature? I don't know. And we're old. Um, but, but that part that deals with rational thinking is one of those parts for you that is still like percolating. It's still, it's still growing. It's still maturing. You see, adults, we think with what's called the prefrontal cortex, you know, which is the brain's rational part. 
You know, this is the part of the brain that responds to situations with like good judgment, usually, and an awareness of, of like long-term consequences. Like we can think of something, for instance, you know, I, I think very, you know, you know when, I, when I have to do something that could be, I don't know, dangerous, like if the consequence could be bad, you know, I put a lot of thought in that. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to do it because the consequences may be bad. Um, and so we think long-term, you know, your age group, like teenagers process information with the um, amygdala. And this is the emotional part of the brain. And this is why consequences for your actions are an afterthought for you, right? Like how getting a stomach ache from eating too many Takis for dinner, it's not really thought about until you experience IBS, okay? That's immediate for me, by the way. Uh, but, but if you took, if that's too much information, but anyway, but if you took, <laughs> but, but if, but if you took a minute, like if you just took a minute to just stop, right, to just stop and just weigh the consequences, then maybe the action wouldn't take place. Um, but you know, I know for you at your age, you know, it, it's really, it really is hard to grasp like how long-term consequences for actions. And that's just kind of how, how you're made at the moment. You know, that's how your brain is. But, but if you just took a moment to stop and just kind of weigh things, then I feel like you would actually have a little bit more, you know, consequences would be a little bit more uh, of, a, of a, you know, you could see it. But the thing is, you know, we as followers of Christ, and, and even if you're not a follower of Christ, by the way, um, you know, we have to understand that there is more to life than what is right in front of us. Um, you know, there, there is life after this one, and, and there are consequences for what we do with this life that we've been given here on this earth. And Paul understands that. You know, Paul gets it. Paul understands this big picture, and he gives the church another title. Remember, you know, the last time we were together, we saw that Paul gave the church the title of citizens of heaven. You know, referring to the fact that as Christians, our home is one that is perfect, and it lies in heaven where Christ is. You know, we in in last you know a couple weeks ago we looked at the reality of heaven, right? And the reality is that heaven is God's very real kingdom. You know, it's paradise, and it's a reward for those who, who uh, repent from sin and turn to Jesus, uh, turn to Jesus, acknowledging Him as Lord and King of their life, by putting their faith and trust in the gospel. You know, all believers get to share in the reality of heaven and get to call heaven as their forever home. And then we have to consider. Remember, we consider the the opposite. Um, you know, of that as well, because you can't talk about heaven without mentioning the opposite, that is hell, you know, for those, uh, for those uh, who have not yet responded to the gospel, that is for all. The reality of hell is that it's God's very real wrath. It's Sheol, right? It's Hades. It's a place of, of death, of darkness, of separation from God forever. And it's a punishment. You know, heaven and hell are both real places that exist as destinations after your life on earth is no more. And Paul, Paul understands that here by referring to the church as citizens of heaven. And, and, then, and then what comes after, what comes after that, that kind of that different title for the church is, is a challenge, right? It's a challenge for the church, a challenge really for all believers. You know, in lieu of having heavenly citizenship, he says to live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ, which is what we're going to unpack further tonight. And so if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 through 30. We're actually going to be finishing up chapter 1 tonight. Uh, I, I thought about doing this like a two-parter, but we're, actually, we're, we're just going to finish it up tonight. So go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 through 30. And I'm going to take a dramatic pause and get a sip of water.
Isn't it great? Because, you know, it started to actually kind of look like that picture outside. Like fall. Right? Oh, isn't that great? Oh, getting there, man. Getting there. I'm so excited for the weather outside. Oh, the weather outside is weather. All right. While, 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 you're, while you're turning there, um, I, want, I, want you to, I want you to think of like the last time you faced a challenge. Every day. Every day you go to school. Yeah, think, I want you to think of the last time you faced a challenge of, of some type because the thing, you know, like I said, yeah, every day. We all face challenges, um, you know, of many kinds. We do, you know, whether, whether it's a challenge to do better academically, um, you know, maybe, maybe, you, you, um, maybe you need to, like, practice studying better or, or work harder at getting better grades, or maybe it was the challenge of making some type of team or band, um, you know, and having to practice and get better at that. I get that. It's, you know, difficult learning an instrument and practicing an instrument or a sport even. Um, or maybe it was a bit more personal. Maybe the challenge was developing a better habit, you know, better habits or, or kicking an old habit, right? Or maybe it was a challenge of, maybe it was a spiritual challenge. Maybe it was a challenge to kind of read your Bible more um, or developing a, your, you know, a healthier, more consistent prayer life. You know, those are some good things to, to, to be challenged with. Um, so think about the last time that you faced the challenge, and um, and and now you know, and and now think how how did you respond to it? Like, be honest with yourself. How how did you respond? Did you go all in, and like actually put in the work and and the effort to to um, to maybe get better, right? To to practice and prepare. Did you go all in and do that, or uh, or maybe you were kind of more half-hearted about it? You know, it was it was too hard. Uh, well, you put in like a little bit of work and, um, you know, and, and, but you just didn't get anywhere because you didn't put in enough effort. Or maybe, maybe you kind of tried, but it just got too hard, so you just quit, right? That happens. Be honest. Or, or be honest, with yourself. You, maybe you didn't try at all. <laughs> maybe you didn't even try to begin with, right? Yeah, I, I had a moment like that when I first started to learn to drive. Do we have anybody learning to drive in here right now? Anybody? Yeah, taking driver's ed and stuff. We'd definitely be laying hands on you later and praying for you. Um, yeah, so, so when, I, when I started to, to learn how to drive, you know, because I, I wasn't instantly, like, good at it. You know, I, I, I mean, none of us really are, right? Well, maybe. Brandy, Brandy you were instantly, obviously. Um, yeah, because I instantly was not good at, at driving. I mean, duh. But it is kind of weird. Uh, I mean, Mario Kart and Gran Turismo did not do a good job preparing me for real-life driving. <laughs> You know, there, there are less banana peels and turtle shells than, than I imagined. And the car actually took damage when I hit something. Um, that, by the way, driver's ed, just a little driver's ed tip. They take off points if you hit something. Just, just know that. Um, yeah, I, so. I, learned, I learned that. I learned that. Uh, wait, did you not do that in the actual course? Uh, you know, you know. Did they take off points for any pedestrian? Uh, no. You get points. Nah, you, get, you actually get them. No, you don't get points for any pedestrians. Let's not go on record and say that. Um, so, so, but, but here, you know, um, but yeah, I had, I had to face, I had to face the challenge, right? I had to face the challenge and just get better because, you know, I wanted the freedom that is, that is driving, you know, driving is, is you're, you're getting a taste of freedom there, being able to, to drive the roads. And, you know, I wanted that. So I, I faced the challenge head on and I, I got better, you know, and I passed. 
Um, but here, you know, here Paul challenges the church in Philippi. You know, he, he, all, he gives them a challenge. Um, and by the way, in us today, right, us today to, to live your life worthy of the gospel. Let's look at our passage together. Read along with me. Philippians 1, verses 27 through 30. It says, just one thing, as citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I will hear about you and that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel, not being frightened in any way by your opponents. This is a sign of destruction for them, but of your salvation, and this is from God. For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are engaged in the same struggle that you saw, and I had, and now hear that I have. Pray with me. Father, thank you so much for tonight, God. I thank you for your word. Um, God, just draw us in close tonight and, and, and help us all hear uh, what, you're, what you're telling us, you know, what your, what your challenge is, God, for us as well. Um, God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that it is. God, just use it to mold us, to shape us, God, and, and help us leave here, um, you know, willing and wanting to obey your truth. God, be with us now. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, here, you know, here we have Paul's challenge to the church, you know, to live lives worthy of the gospel, you know, and, and then he actually kind of unpacks it. And we, we see two, two ways, two ways uh, that, that we are to do exactly that. And, and what this passage really does, it, it actually shows us the real reason that Paul is writing to the Philippians. And remember, he's writing this where? In prison. Thank you. He's writing this in prison. You know, this is all coming from prison. He's chained to a Roman guard while he's doing this. And, and, and this is a joyful letter, but this kind of shows us exactly why he is writing the church in Philippi, you know, this, this, kind, this passage. Um, and, and it's to, to urge them to stand together for the gospel in the face of persecution and suffering. So tonight, that's really where I want to camp out and focus on because, you know, both of those things are crucial to our faith because suffering will if it has it for you already, suffering will happen, which Jesus actually warns us about. And he also says that there is a purpose in our suffering. You know, we're actually all going to break this in half. Next week, we're going to talk about that um, because this is just, it's just too much. You know, that's a whole different thing. And so we're going to look at suffering next week and how we suffer well. You know, and if you're like, what? That's weird. I don't want to suffer. Well, come back next week and we're going to talk about suffering and the fact that it does come, it does happen. And what, what do we do about it? You know, what, what does Jesus say we do about it? So come tonight, uh, come next week for that. But tonight we're going to look at two ways that we're to live worthy of the gospel. Look back at our passage, 27 through 28. It says, just one thing as citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I will hear about you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel, not being frightened in any way by your opponents. And this is a sign of your destruction for them, but of your salvation. And this is from God. So Paul, he's making it clear that he knows how important it is for Christians, to, uh, for Christians lives to be lived in a way that, that it is a testimony of the gospel. He says, hey, you know, because you have this heavenly citizenship status, right? You know, make sure that your life matches where your home is. You know, it's like, you know, I'm sure your parents have told you this. It's like before you, you go somewhere and your parent tells you, hey, you know, remember who you represent. You ever been told that? 
By me? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Or before, you know, before we go anywhere, before we go to camp, and hey, in a few weeks before we go to YEC, you know, my, my pre-trip, um, you know, kind of words of encouragement or just my challenge to you before we go anywhere, yeah, you know, I mentioned that, that you know, you're, re- you're representing, you know, you know, your families, you, you know, you're representing your church, and you're representing your king. Um, so act accordingly. And, you know, be good ambassadors. And, and, and that's what Paul challenged you in the church to do here as well. Um, you know, be good ambassadors for the gospel because it is difficult to live in a broken world and to face temptation daily, um, you know, to live like everybody else. You know, because we, we all face it every day. You know, teenagers and, and adults alike. I mean, we all go through life and get these temptations to act like everybody else, right? And so Paul, you know, Paul, and Paul knows that. You know, Paul, it's same same thing, uh, you know, his time as it is now. And so it's something... And something to remember about, about Paul was that, you know, he was a Roman citizen, okay? He was, he was a Roman citizen, and now he had visited Philippi at least three times. And, and he would have been aware of the fact that this city, Philippi, was actually a Roman colony, right? It was a Roman colony, which, which many of those who lived there were like retired legionaries. So they were like retired um, like soldiers and, and people like of influence like that. Um, and so, uh, you know, in, in Roman citizenship back then was, was very, it was a very rare privilege outside of, of Italy and, and the Rome area. And it required, um, you know, those with Roman citizenship to act accordingly. You know, meaning your public behavior had to be stellar in such a place as Philippi, right? But Paul, you know, he's, he's, he's not speaking here about believers living up to Roman standards, you know, but but rather he's he's instructing them to live to live by the infinitely higher standards required by the gospel of Christ. Do you see this? Do you see it? You see what he's talking about? And and you see the reason for his for his striking words here is you know to live up to your heavenly citizenship status. It was so that he could, you know, whether he is there with them, like whether he is there physically with the church, or whether he's away from them, whether he's absent, right, he, he may hear two positive things about them. Right, two positive ways that we are to live lives worthy of the gospel, and the first one, the one that he wants to hear about the church, and, and you know, for those of you who, who who want to take notes, the first way is to stand firm. To stand firm. So Paul, he's calling on the believers to remain faithful to the gospel message, you know, through word and through deed, and to do so by standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. So stand firm, right? And that phrase here that Paul uses, stand side by side, in our English, it translates to a, a single word in, in the Greek. And that is, um, uh, I don't know how to, I, I, I Googled how to say it, but cyan, like cyanathio, cyanathio. And it's actually where we get the word athlete, right? It's where we get the word athlete. And, and, and actually later when, when Paul writes and he uses this word, it's used with the word agona which is where we get the word agony from. And it's used to describe like athletic competition, right? Athletic competition, meaning that Paul, what Paul is saying here is that it's going to take, it takes strenuous athletic effort to defend the gospel. It takes effort, right? To defend the gospel. And, and uh, actually this is also like military language for them back then because soldiers were trained like athletes, you know, because they had to, you know, go into the, the battle and things like that to be, had to be in shape. And so this was kind of some uh, language that they used 
in, in military language as well, which, which bears to mind this picture um, of, of defenders with like locked shields or locked arms. Like I was, I was picturing like, you know, old school, like Roman army stuff, but also like, um, I don't know, like football, like a, a football line, you know, when they all get down in a line or in rugby where they, where they kind of lock shoulders and things like that. Aiden would have got that reference. But uh, so, so this is kind of the picture, you know, when, when Paul, when I'm reading what Paul is saying here, uh, and so basically, you know, Paul is challenging the church to stand firm, to prepare and to put in the effort and together get ready to defend the gospel, right? But it's going to take effort. And, 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 you know, and when we hear that phrase, you know, defend the gospel, you know, or defend our faith, you know, uh, what do we often think of? What do you think of when you hear that defend our faith? Um, you know, I think of people kind of like skeptics. Okay. You know, trying to cast doubt. Yeah. On, on Definitely. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the armor of God. We're gonna get into that. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see that in a second. But yeah, you know, skeptics, right? And what do we usually use against skeptics as Christians? What's it called? We use the Bible, but yeah, apologetics. apologetics. Yeah, I think of like apologetics when we talk about defending your faith. It's this, you know, apologetics, which is basically learning how to defend your faith. It's knowing why you believe what you believe. Um, and actually there's going to be an apologetics conference at seminary, I think in February, which is kind of neat or January. But, um, but yeah, that's kind of what I think of, you know, when we, when, you know, when we hear about like defend our faith and, and, and be ready, you know, um, maybe apologetics because that's actually what apologetics is. I mean, it's understanding, yeah, knowing what you believe and why you believe it so that you can defend it. And so Paul in a way is calling us to be ready to do just that. But he gives us ways that we can stand firm in our faith. In Ephesians chapter 6, which Annie just kind of brought up, um, you know, he lays out the, the spiritual armor that we are to put on daily. And, and the question, do we put on just one piece of armor? No, what do we put on? The whole suit of armor, right? But in Ephesians chapter 6, yeah, he lays out that spiritual armor that we're meant to put on daily to help equip us to stand against the enemy. And he says in verse 14, he actually mentions... Um, standing firm in Ephesians 6 verse 14 he says stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist right and then he says righteousness like a like armor on your chest and so here you know he gives us a way that we are to stand firm he says so we are to stand with truth like a belt around our waist what do belts do yeah they yeah they hold up your pants they hold everything together basically they hold everything together and, and when we have God's truth and we know it and we put our faith in it, then that's going to hold everything else up. That's going to hold everything else. You know, God's because God's truth is foundational. You know, everything else is built, built on that foundation. A strong foundation is key in standing firm in your faith. Paul also writes in Galatians chapter 5, he says, For freedom Christ set us free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. And so, so Paul said, you know, there's this, there's this need to, to, to run from sin, you know, to resist the temptation of sin in our life. You know, those things that hold us captive and separate us from God. You know, Paul says that, hey, Christ has set us free. And so stand firm in that truth. You know, that part, part of that armor, by the way, is, is the helmet of salvation. You know, and the helmet of salvation is, is what we need to put on because that reminds us, you know, that, that guards our minds. That helps us you know, conform better to, to God's way of thinking, and it reminds us of our saving faith. That's what, the, that's what the helmet of salvation is. And so that's basically what Paul is saying here. You know, remember your salvation. 
Remember what Christ has set you free from. And then stand firm in that, right? I love that. I love that so much. Um, and so, so we have a strong foundation built on the truth of God's word. Stand firm in the freedom that you have in Christ. And then, and then, and then pray. Pray for your fellow brothers and sisters. You know, look what Paul, you know, Paul says in Colossians chapter 4. It says, uh, Ephorus, uh, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. He is always wrestling for you in his prayers so that you can stand mature and fully assured in everything God wills. And so, you know, we have to know that we're in this together as believers and that it's necessary for us to pray for one another. And, you know, by the, by the way, you know, uh, pray for and pray with one another, you know, because that actually helps with unity. You know, God, you know, Paul is actually, you know, saying, hey, as we do this, you know, stand firm together, be united. And, and being able to pray with each other, pray for each other, it helps with unity because it helps us remember and, uh, and understand that it, it's all about him. It's not about us. And that we all need God daily to be able to stand firm. And, you know, and, and we have a need for one another as well. You know, I love that Paul says, says here that he, he is always wrestling for you in his prayers. You know, it's, once again, it's showing that effort. Yeah, I don't know about you. I mean, you, Mr. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you know, wrestle, you know, wrestling and all this stuff. You know, when I think of wrestling, I think of like like sweaty people, you know, and putting in a bunch of effort, right? And so the fact here that he is wrestling for other believers in his prayers means, you know, it's showing the effort that he is putting into his his prayer life and his specifically praying for for the church, praying for his brothers, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, right? And, uh, and so I love that because it shows the effort he puts into praying for the church. And, and uh, you know, it, because the thing is, you know, we live in a world that can be, quite honestly, quite apathetic. You know, to those who are suffering or those who fall. Right. You know, I mean, you do one stupid thing today. You make one dumb mistake and you can lose everything. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. You know, that, that, that's just reality right now. That's, that is the reality right now. And, and I pray that grace and forgiveness can make a comeback. And I pray that Jesus will come back, to be honest. But, but until then, you know, it's on us to, to represent the grace and forgiveness shown to us by praying for those and with those, you know, uh, who need to stand firm in their faith even when they fall. So, so Paul's challenge to the church to stand firm and be united is one that we're to take on as well, to put in the effort, you know, to wrap that belt of truth around ourselves, to, to, to run from sin, to remember our salvation, you know, and to pray for one another. You know, Paul wanted to hear that the church was doing these things. And, you know, and, he, and also he, he wanted to hear that that church was not living in fear. You know, that's the second way that we're to live lives worthy of the gospel is, is, is by not living in fear. You know, look back at our passage, verse 27. It says, just one, uh, I'm sorry, uh, look at, yeah, look, just look at, look at 27. Just one thing, as citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. And then when I come and see you or I'm, I'm absent, I will hear about you so that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel, not being frightened in any way by your opponents. This is a sign of, your, of, of destruction for them, but of your salvation. And this is from God. And so Paul wanted to hear that they're not frightened or terrified in anything or in any way by your opponents. And, and Paul and Paul can say this. Paul can say this because, you know, he had exemplified courage in Rome. And now he hopes that his courage will encourage 
the, the Philippian church, you know, in their courageous defense of the faith and in, in, in where they were locally. And, and, it, and it's pretty difficult, you know, to be, to be terrified when you've got a good uh, defense, isn't it? You know, for the church, that defense is our salvation, you know, and it goes back to, to Paul's win-win statement, to his life philosophy, to live as Christ and to die as gain. No matter what happens, no matter what happens, we as believers have Jesus. That's a, that is the amazing hope that we have. That is the amazing truth that we, that we get to share. Um, and, and Paul says that this is a sign of destruction for them, which is, he, you know, your opponents, those who oppose the church, those who oppose Christ, you know, and, and, that, you know, and that's a sign of destruction for them, but, but of your salvation, you know, and, and, and he says, where does it come from? Well, it comes from God. You know, that means that for the opponents of the church, you know, which are also opponents and enemies of God, the opposite is true. That instead of salvation, they get destruction. You know, and, and this, this is like the ultimate defense of, of the church. And Paul, and Paul knows this, and, and he lives courageously by this, and now he wants to encourage the church to live by it as well. Destruction of the, of the, of the persecutor and salvation of the confessor are, are opposite sides of the same coin. You know, it, that, that points to the day of the Lord. You know, the end point of history. The, the church was, the thing is, the church was facing daily, daily opposition. And, and the possibility of death via crucifixion or hanging or beheading. And, and, and that, was, that was possible every day for the church. And what Paul was doing was encouraging them with, hey, you know, no matter what. No matter what, you know, God would save the faithful but condemn those who inflicted unwarranted punishment against his people. So, so Paul wants to hear that, hey, whether near, near them or far away from them, that the church is living worthy of the gospel of Jesus and by standing firm and united in the faith and that they aren't terrified of their oppressors. He wants to hear these things about them. And why does he, why does he feel the need to challenge them with this? Why do you think? Well, because he knows the reality of living in this broken world. You know, and the hardship and the suffering that will come. You know, if it hasn't already. Which is, which is where I want to end tonight. You know, and we're going to finish up next week. We're going to look at the, the gifts that we have been given and, and how, how suffering can actually be a gift. You're like, wow, that sounds weird. And it, and it kind of does. It's kind of one of those, you know, upside down things that, that Jesus, you know, um, makes, makes reality. But, but he has a lot to say about it. And um, so maybe if, if you're going through time of suffering right now, you know, maybe you can just know that, that maybe it's, it's for a purpose. And ne- next week we'll, we'll get into that. But, 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 but I'm going to end with this. The same things that Paul wants to hear, the same things that he challenges with the church in Philippi, he's challenging us today. So my question to you is, before you go into small group, are you standing firm? Are you standing firm in your faith? Or are you allowing you know, outside influences to come in and, and, and rob you of it or to be um, embarrassed of it? Are you, have you been ashamed of the gospel? Or are you standing firm? Are you putting on the armor of God every single day before you, before you, you, you leave your house? And are you afraid? Are you being terrified? Are you allowing the opposition to come in and terrify you? Pray with me. Father, we just thank you so much for tonight, God. And I, I pray, God, that, that we can just take this in, 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 and allow it to, to change us, God, to mold us. 
Because we do have a need as believers to stand firm in our faith, God. We, we have a need to, um, to not be scared, you know, of those who oppose us and oppose you. Because you win. And, and as believers, we share in that victory. And so, God, as we go into a time of discussion, I pray, God, that we can just talk about these things honestly and openly. And, um, and I pray that, that you can give us a good, uh, a, a, good, um, a good discussion tonight, God. Well, we love you. We thank you. I thank you for your word and for what it has uh, to teach us. Just uh, help us leave here um, ready to obey. And uh, your name we pray. Amen. All right, you're dismissed. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, you know, feel free to like and subscribe, um, you know, so that you can, um, you know, get future updates on, on all of our newer episodes. But we'll be back next week finishing up Philippians chapter one. Uh, we're going to be talking about suffering, you know, and, and how do we suffer well? And why does Paul call suffering here a gift? So that's what is on store for next in store for next week. Um, but I hope you come back. Thank you so much once again for joining us. You're dismissed.